We welcome you to our study of Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonians here on the Radio Bible Course. In verse 10 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul wrote, But we exhort you, brethren, to do so more and more. There he was talking about loving one another. And then he adds this, which is part of the exhortation, to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we charged you, so that you may command the respect of outsiders and be dependent on nobody. Today our discussion is going to be about the earnestness of the Apostle Paul in convincing the Thessalonian Christians that they needed to work for a living and not be depending or being a burden on others. That apparently was happening in Thessalonica. It's easy to come into that kind of thing. People say, well, if I'm going to live for God, I'm going to live by faith, and that means I will give up my job and let others support me. They, of course, mean well. But the problem is, that is not faith. They might call it living by faith, but faith must have an object, and the object of faith must be the God who has told them to give up their jobs. We find the contrary teaching in the Bible, however, that men ought to work and to support themselves. So Paul, in this section here, has been very concerned about the testimony of the Thessalonian Christians, some of whom apparently didn't want to work, but instead were becoming a burden on the rest of the church. And I imagine they were doing it very sincerely, they were convinced that they were serving God by calling on people, praying with people, teaching people. That's an easy thing to come into. Now, Paul wants to change their mind about this. And the firm teaching of Paul in the passages, beginning with chapter 1, is astounding. He said in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 1, You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And I think he's talking about the example that he set. That's consistent with the teaching of the whole first epistle to the Thessalonians. In chapter 2, verse 5, Paul wrote, For we never used either words or flattery, as you know, or a cloak for greed, which someone could accuse him of, perhaps, but there was no evidence to support that kind of an accusation because Paul did support himself and was not trying to get anything from anybody. In verse 9 of chapter 2, he wrote, For you remember our labor and toil, brethren. We work night and day, that we might not burden any of you while we preach to you the gospel of God. Now, why would Paul be talking about all this? Because there is a problem in the church. Someone was preaching the gospel of God, but was not working like Paul worked and was a burden on the rest of the Christians, unlike Paul. Now here, in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, 
the plea again is to maintain employment, to avoid dependence on others, and to additionally gain the respect of those outside of the faith. It must really bother people who are not Christians to see a man preaching and teaching, but not working. And they look at it this way. They say, it's a racket. He's in it for the money. And that's partly confirmed when they see the lifestyle of some of these men who claim to be servants of God, but obviously are serving themselves. Now, that's not the case with all men who teach and preach, of course. There are untold numbers of men who are serving Christ faithfully, many on the mission field, many in small churches where they are building up people in the faith. But because of greedy men who have great visibility because of their television or radio broadcasts, people tend to think that all men are like that. That is not the case. Now, the question which logically arises following a discussion of this subject of working is, well, doesn't the Bible teach that those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel? Well, that verse is in the Bible. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In my experience, most people who employ this passage do it only as a last-ditch defense for their manner of life. Never have I found a person attempting to explain its meaning in its original context as Jesus used it. The passage is 1 Corinthians 9, verse 14. Listen to it. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel, or live by the gospel. And then Paul adds this, but I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing this to secure any such provision, for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my preaching I may make the gospel free of charge, not making full use of my right in the gospel. Now, Paul here was speaking, of course, as an apostle. Apostles did have a right to live off of the gospel. I don't find any passage where men are told to do that who are not apostles. But many men have taken this passage and applied it to themselves and said, well, if Paul could do it, I can do it. And if the apostles could live by the gospel, then I ought to be able to do it. But we notice the one apostle who speaks to it tells us, that he would not take advantage of that right because he wanted to make the gospel free of charge. That would be his reward when he came and stood before Christ. Now the question arises, how many rewards does a man get? 
If he is paid for his labor down here, that is his reward. But Paul looked at it this way. I'm not going to take any pay down here. I would rather get my reward from Christ Jesus himself. Therefore, I am going to preach without charge, without any kind of personal benefit down here. I am going to serve Christ at my own expense and suffer whatever I need to suffer in order that I might be rewarded by him someday. Now, there are a number of other passages that we have to discuss here, and we may not finish this subject today, but if we don't, we'll pick it up again tomorrow. But this passage here in 1 Corinthians 9.14 is based on Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 5. Listen to it. The setting is Jesus with his twelve apostles, and it says, These twelve Jesus sent out, charging them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and preach as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Take no gold, nor silver, nor copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Now that's the principle that Jesus established for the apostles. If you go serving me, then you have a right to be fed. And so they were to go without taking provisions, on their journey, they were to go to preach, and the context continues telling us how they would be taken care of by God himself through God working in people in the cities where they went. Now, Paul apparently is expressing the same principle here in 1 Corinthians 9.14 when he said the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. The context of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, however, is different from Matthew chapter 10. Paul here refers to the priesthood of the Old Testament, and that's much different than basing the principle upon the teaching of Jesus to the twelve apostles. For example, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 13, Paul writes, Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who preach the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Now I ask, who got their living in the Old Testament from the food of the temple? The Levites, and only the Levites. They were that special tribe which had no inheritance. They were the tribe which benefited from the tithes of the other Israelites, they were taken care of by God because they were totally occupied with the worship, the tabernacle, and serving God in those ways. Now, we don't have that kind of a system today. There is no priestly class today. 
We talk in terms of clergy and laity, but the Bible never does. It treats all believers as believer priests. And so we have come up with this phrase, the priesthood of believers, and that's biblical. Every one of us serves God. We can worship God. We can pray for other people. We don't have to go through any man as our mediator between God and ourselves. Only Jesus Christ is that mediator. Now, what's the basis then of this system that we have? Well, when the church established a clergy system, and that was strictly man's idea, not God's, it distinguished some men from the other people, and it developed a priesthood. Then, taking its cue from the Old Testament, it fell naturally that the priest should live off of the people as in the Old Testament. And this also called for the tithe to maintain that clergy class. But that never was God's intention. The teaching in the New Testament is contrary to that. There are church officers, but no clergy class. Now, I can see we're not going to be able to finish this teaching today, so I invite you to join us tomorrow as we continue this subject and bring out other passages that are relevant to this discussion. And now, a reminder to our listeners. All of these teachings on both of Paul's epistles to the Thessalonians are available for your purchase. Information on these tapes, plus Some 25 other short courses on cassette tapes are included in our brochure entitled Teaching Tapes, Write for a Copy. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.